You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Devastating. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli, the insiders, the influencers, the insights. It is no secret that I care a lot about the consumers. There are real questions about big tech. We still have more leverage to use with the tariffs. I think we could do with a little less drama from the White House. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Deal or no deal, China edition. President Trump saying that... China and the U.S. are inching closer to some type of deal. But don't call it a memorandum of an understanding. Call it a trade deal. That, according to President Trump, we're going to dive into the specifics of what went down this afternoon at the White House. There was a lot. I was there all day. And I can tell you, Chinese Vice Premier Liu Hua is extending his stay here in the U.S. by two days. This as President Trump gears up to head to Vietnam to meet with North Korea dictator Kim Jong-un for denuclearization peace talks. We've got an all-star international lineup today. Norm Rule is, of course, the former CIA intelligence officer managing numerous programs in the Middle East, especially with Iran. Uh, And Andrew Bishop, partner and global head of policy research at Signum Global Advisors, my guest with me in studio for the hour. Don't worry. We won't be talking about Bob Kraft. He, of course, was charged in a Florida prostitution sting. Rough day for Bob Kraft. But first, let's get caught up on all of the latest headlines with China from Nancy Lyons. Nancy? Well, it does look like there is some forward movement on trade. The Chinese delegation, as you mentioned, is extending its stay in Washington a couple of days. Bloomberg's Irv Chapman has been following developments from the White House. President Trump spoke of progress in the talks as he met with Chinese Vice Premier Liu He in the Oval Office. Speaking for the United States, I would say it's probably more likely that a deal does happen. So the fact that they're willing to stay for um, quite a bit longer period, doubling up the time, that means something. I think there's a good chance that it happens. It's probably the biggest deal ever made. President said he's likely to meet next month with China's Xi Jinping with his Florida estate Mar-a-Lago as the venue. At the White House, Irv Chapman, Bloomberg Radio. A report from Special Counsel Robert Mueller about the Russia investigation is now not expected to be delivered to the Justice Department next week. That's according to a senior Justice Department official who spoke anonymously with the Associated Press. When the report is released, six House Democratic committee heads are calling on Attorney General William Barr to make the full report public, including any evidence of misconduct by President Trump. 
In Chicago, R&B star R. Kelly has been indicted on 10 charges of aggravated criminal sexual abuse involving four underage girls. Cook County State's attorney, Kimberly Fox. Aggravated criminal sexual abuse is a class two felony with a sentencing range of three to seven years for a count. It is also probationable. We anticipate that Mr. Kelly will appear in bond court tomorrow afternoon. And New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft has been charged with misdemeanor solicitation of a prostitute. Prosecutors in Florida say he was caught in a sex trafficking crackdown as was captured on video during two separate visits to a massage parlor. Republicans in the Virginia House plan to hold a hearing to allow two women to testify about their sexual assault allegations against Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. The idea is not sitting well with House Democrats like Delegate Lasharish Aird, who says the General Assembly is not the proper place for such a hearing. Due process is absolutely needed and should be afforded to all. The justice and the due process that we seek should be by a law enforcement entity, not by individuals who will be on the ballot in November. Fairfax has adamantly denied the allegations against him. His spokesman says in a statement this afternoon, Republicans are using the hearing to draw attention away from their defeat of the Equal Rights Amendment. Time now for the Beltway Business Report. Here is Bloomberg's Larry Kosky. Well, Nancy, it was a positive day on Wall Street amid signs that negotiators are making headway in trade talks between the U.S. and China. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 181. The S&P 500 added 17. The Nasdaq Composite rose 67. The U.S. and China will extend their current round of trade talks into the weekend. Negotiations yielded progress but fell short of a breakthrough. The talks were to have ended today. In its semi-annual monetary policy report to Congress, the Federal Reserve says it will remain patient with interest rates in light of a slowing global economy and financial market volatility. Chairman Jerome Powell will testify before Congress next week. GM is extending the life of its only Detroit factory until early next year. The assembly line was to have stopped on June 1st. GM now says production of the Chevrolet Impala and Cadillac CT6 will continue into January. The plant built its last Chevrolet Volt this week. The Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. area stock index gained 1.1%. You're up to date on business from the Beltway to Baltimore. I'm Larry Kofsky. This is Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks, Larry. Global news 24 hours a day on air and at TikTok on Twitter, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons. Happy Margarita Day, Kevin. (laughs) Happy Friday, my friend. We made it. We made it through the week, and what a week it was. The news never stops, particularly on a day when Chinese Vice Premier Liu Hua was at the White House today negotiating with U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, as well as Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin. Then all of this back and forth meetings all all week culminated in President Trump meeting one-on-one with his, then later on with his top administration officials, including Secretary Mnuchin, uh, inside of the Oval Office with Vice Premier Liu Hua, who said he's going to stay in town for two more days as the traitors, as President Trump calls them, Mnuchin and Lighthizer, continue to hammer out the details on some type of an agreement. We still don't know when the finalized version 
of a trade deal or a memorandum of understanding an MOU to get wonky is going to be finalized. But it was a very interesting is an understatement. Uh, and we're going to dive into all of it with Andrew Bishop, partner and global head of policy research at Signum Global Advisors, and Norm Rule, who is a former CIA intelligence officer managing, managing uh, numerous uh, Middle East and, and Iran uh, projects. Uh, and so, Andrew, I was really struck by sort of the big takeaways in terms of what we got today. The, the White House and President Trump said that they were able to reach an understanding with China on the issue of agriculture. So big news if you're a farmer. They also said, and Secretary Mnuchin said this inside of the Oval, that they were able to reach an understanding on currency. We don't know what the details are. We don't know how they got there. There's no communique that was released. There's no specific line-by-line -line agreement in terms of what was decided. But on agriculture and on currency, it looks like they finished their deal. There was also a soundbite from President Trump on the issue of Huawei and it pertaining to 5G technology. And the president says that he actually might use executive order to restrict the sale of Huawei technology uh, and 5G technology here in the United States. All of this is what everybody wants to know is that one week from today, March 1st, that deadline when the tariffs could increase up to 25% on like $250 billion worth of Chinese imports coming into the US. The president has said that he's open to delaying that tariff increase, exactly what the business community wants. They don't wanna see those tariffs grow up. But we still don't know what he's going to do one week from today on tariffs, though the markets are reading this as slightly optimistic. They didn't really move too much on this news. But, uh, but you know, your overall take on the developments of this past afternoon. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um, I would actually say that the, the three areas that they seem to have reached an agreement on, as you mentioned, sort of agriculture, currency, and to a certain extent the Huawei issue, didn't surprise me that much. On agriculture, it's not entirely surprising in the sense that the Chinese have in the past already expressed a willingness to increase their imports of U.S. goods, right? So in that sense, that dossier was not the hardest one to address. On, on currency, it is somewhat surprising that the, the Chinese would agree to sort of have the U.S. impose of some sort of regulation of the, the currency band. But keep in mind that of late, China's been more worried about its currency depreciating than appreciating, right? So. In that sense, the Chinese or the U.S. is really doing the Chinese a, a, a favor. So that's really where I get confused here is because on one hand, President Trump says, all right, we're going to call you a currency manipulator. And then he switches course and says, well, we, wanna, we don't want to see you devalue your currency uh, too aggressively. And as you rightfully point out, there's the whole issue that the Chinese are worried about with regards to their, or to their currency um, as it's trending. But – what exactly, what mechanism are you reading, like re read in between the lines for us? Because we didn't really get, I was at the White House all day, we didn't get like a readout, so to speak, of, of exactly what they're agreeing to. So I think some of the confusion comes from the fact that in the past, um, you know, say five to three years ago, uh, China was was sort of benefiting and sometimes uh, actually trying to bring its currency down to, to you know, increase its, its uh, leverage in global markets in terms of exports. That's changed over the past couple of years where its currency has really been depreciating quite rapidly 
in a natural way, right, because of, of uh, capital outflows and fears about the, the robustness of the domestic economy. And that's actually led Beijing to try to support and have a floor under the currency. So what the U.S. is now asking China to do is not so much to not devalue its currency, which it's not doing, but rather to intervene to make sure that it's stabilized. All right. So on a scale of like one to ten, one being Bob Kraft, ten being Velveeta, how positive or negative or negative or positive were, was today's meeting with President Trump and uh, and uh, Vice Premier Liu Hua? So I think the meeting itself was very good, and there's absolutely no denying that Trump is is clearly sort of signaling that we're getting much closer to a deal. Yeah. Um, at this stage, it would be you know. Uh, it's hard for me to, to really maintain the view that there will absolutely not be a deal next week. But I have to admit um, that I'm quite surprised and I remain more bearish than consensus. I think the market is a little bit over optimistic for two main reasons. The first is that the, the two parties are still very far apart on some of the core issues. I'm thinking in particular of subsidies in the Chinese economy, quote unquote, forced IP transfers through joint ventures. Forced IP transfers through joint ventures. We're going to dive into that coming up because I want to come back to that point. And I also want to get into the whole issue of, uh, of enforcement mechanisms. How are they going to enforce any of this? I mean, like, it's one thing to say, okay, they're going to buy more soybeans. We're not going to do this. They're going to, you know, sorghum ships up and back in the Pacific Ocean. But like, how are you going to really enforce it, particularly when you get into some of these on, on IP? Uh, I do want to play a bite from President Trump inside of the Oval earlier today. Uh, and he says that there's a good chance. He's optimistic. President Trump, optimistic about a trade deal. Here's President Trump. Take a listen. I think the relationship has been very good. That's what I will say, more than anything else. I, as to whether we make a deal or not, who knows? But I think we have a good chance. But I think the relationship is outstanding. I think the relationship that we have now with China is better than it's ever been. And that's being, you know, making a big statement. And President Trump says that he might meet with President Xi Jinping of China, maybe down to Mar-a-Lago. So when I get back from Vietnam next week, maybe I'll be headed somewhere. Uh, maybe I'm headed down to Florida to report on, on President Trump and President Xi. Coming up, we're sticking with trade deals, in particular the national security element pertaining to U.S.-China trade relations. Norm Rule, a former CIA intelligence officer, weighs in on that, plus on the looming Trump summit with North Korea leader Kim Jong-un in Hanoi. Is Dennis Rodman going to be there? Remember, folks, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. You can get uh, Sound On as well as all of my colleagues here at Bloomberg Radio as well. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Trade talks, nuke talks, and don't forget about the national emergency. We're going to get into all of these uh, developments today. We were talking in the first block about the U.S.-China trade negotiations that were happening at the White House. President Trump, uh, it was quite fascinating to watch in real time as he allowed cameras into the Oval Office and at one point was at odds in front of not just the media, but Vice Premier Liu Hua uh, of China with his own trade ambassador, Bob Lighthizer, because there's this really wonky term here inside of the Beltway known as a Memorandum of Understanding, an MOU. And the reason that Lighthizer has been saying he wants to, to use an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, as opposed to using the term trade deal 
is because if you use the word trade agreement, you have to get congressional approval. And President Trump literally, uh, openly chided uh, Bob Lighthizer and says he wants to use the word trade agreement. And Bob Lighthizer says, no, like MOU. And this whole interesting back and forth, really a fascinating albeit somewhat rare glimpse into how President Trump interacts with senior administration officials behind closed doors and even in front of the media. My guest with me for the hour, Andrew Bishop, partner and global head of policy research at Signum Global Advisors, and Norm Rule, a former CIA intelligence officer, officer who has managed numerous programs relating to Iran and the Middle East. And Norm, we were talking in the break about the national security implications of the U.S.-China trade talks. And in particular, when you get into technology transfers, for example, intellectual property, it's not just impacting, impacting businesses' bottom lines, but it also has national security impacts. And I want to play for you what President Trump had to say about Huawei, in particular, the Chinese telecommunications giant. Take a listen. Well, we're not doing anything right now. We may or may not put that in the trade agreement. We may be discussing it. But we'd only do that uh, in conjunction with the Attorney General of the United States, because that is a, uh, a matter that is outside of what we're doing. So we do that with the Attorney General, if we do anything. And I guess there's a question as to whether or not that's being included in the agreement. So there's President Trump saying that he's going to have uh, various uh, different options available to him as it pertains to Huawei. It might be in the trade deal, it might not be. How important from a national security perspective, or what should the U.S. objectives be from a national security perspective as they negotiate with China? The number one priority for the United States has got to be that the Chinese are not able to steal our most important uh, military and uh, um, uh, uh, computer-related tech technology, which they've been doing extensively over the past several years. Uh, where this becomes a bigger problem is that as Huawei is employed uh, with its 5G technology efforts in Europe and the Middle East, the, the Chinese can, in essence, gain access to American technology to include military technology simply through those hookups. So you now see a tremendous, or you don't see, but there's a tremendous behind-the-scenes effort going on between the United States and its allies and partners where we're trying to discourage them from engaging the Chinese. Uh, on this issue, here's the problem. Chinese technology is considered cheap, it comes with few strings, and it's delivered relatively quickly. American technology is considered expensive, often with congressional strings, and, and frankly can take a while to be, to be put in place. This is a big problem in places uh, such as uh, Europe or the Middle East. Norm Rule is a former CIA intelligence officer who has managed virtually every Middle East uh, operation over there. When did you get out of the CIA? Uh, October 2017. Wow, recent. How's life outside of the CIA? Uh, I miss the tribe. Really? You miss the tribe. And Andrew Bishop is a partner and global head of policy research at Signum Global Advisors. So you hear from Norm uh, about the national security impacts of, uh, and, and Huawei, as, as you know, uh, is really a sticking point. Do you think that the domestic landscape, though, here in the U.S., illustrates that there is really nonpartisan consensus. I mean, you have people like Senators Rubio and Mark Warner, for example, of Republican and Democrat, respectively, who have been, I would say, somewhat on the same page. I'd throw Chris Coons into that mix of Delaware uh, and, and some others. Yeah, I think there's definitely a consensus that something needs to be done about China's sort of economic and political might, uh, growing might. Now, the difference, I think, between the various parties is how you do that, how you go about doing that. And I think there's a, there's a huge difference between what some are suggesting in terms of making sure that we're safe and not using Huawei technology in sensitive areas 
versus uh, implementing the kinds of tariffs and escalation that the president has done. And it's not just China. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's not just the U.S. And as Norm pointed out, with regards to Europe or even the Middle East, we've seen China have a footprint in Venezuela. Correct. And and actually, going back to uh, Huawei in Europe, uh, I think Norm makes a very good point that they've all, many European countries have also been concerned about Huawei. The the one thing I would say is that they've uh, primarily been concerned about the issue because of their own vulnerabilities and their own fears about being hacked. Uh, and not only as has been portrayed here in the U.S. Uh, through uh, American pressure to drop that technology. Those are great points. And in fact, uh, just staying on Europe for a moment, the British have recently come out with an unusual position where they say they may not be quite as concerned as the United States on the Huawei issue because they feel it's possible to disaggregate the various technologies in a way to protect our most sensitive systems. I think you see uh, unsaid by the U.S. national security community, but certainly echoed by the congressional uh, um, representatives who have been briefed by these, uh, 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 by these individuals, that that may not be possible or easily done and that the risk to uh, sensitive military technology and uh, and artificial intelligence technology is is extreme that that's a great point and and I, I think this goes back to the you know the earlier uh, discussion we were having about what you're trying to achieve which is essentially we all agree us and the Europeans that we should be protecting ourselves against you know sort of Chinese technological interference but how you do that is different Andrew Bishop partner global head of policy research at Signum Global Advisor started by Charles Meyer who used to be at Evercore right correct and you used to be at you've got Eurasia group ties and then before that the World Economic Forum right indeed i feel like i, I feel like yeah you and uh, yeah Ian Bremer Ian Bremer, some great, great years at uh, Eurasia Group. Actually, only recently left, and uh, I miss it already. Yeah, wow, okay. And, of course, Norm Rule, former CIA intelligence officer, managing numerous programs relating to the Middle East. All right, let, let's change it up a little bit because we're talking trade policy. But now let's head over to the other big development. I'm heading there on Sunday, actually, to Vietnam. Uh, it's going to take me like a day and a half to get there. Me on a plane for that, for that long. Uh and President Trump is going to be negotiating with North Korea dictator Kim Jong-un. What norms should – what should we be looking for as a win and, or even a micro win for the U.S. coming out of one week from today uh, with Trump and Kim Jong-un? That's a great question. So I think first to begin with, we want to make sure that we see more of the same. No more missile tests uh, from uh, North Korea. No more f uh, missiles flying over Japan. No more um, uh, atmospheric explosions of nuclear weapons or expansions of their nuclear facilities uh, and a cessation of threats and hostile rhetoric. I think that's going to be fairly uh, or relatively easy if there's anything easy in a North Korean negotiation world. And that's a world that word isn't often used in those negotiations. But beyond that, there's some usual th unusual things that come about. For example, what if we agreed to send diplomatic representatives to each country so that we have a, 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 a diplomat on the ground who can help with consular issues in case we have Americans who are arrested, which happens with some frequency. In North Korea? In North Korea. To I've, open an embassy? Not North necessarily. Korea? You could have an individual in an interest section of another, another embassy. That's not a bad thing. We've had that in, in Russia and Cuba and a variety of countries. And when you have Americans in trouble, you need someone to check on them, and there's no one better than an American. So what would you call that? You would just have an intersection representative. And so, wow. So that could be a, a takeaway is that there it, could it, be a it U.S. Could office. Be. Now, now, this said, the uh, Secretary Pompeo has repeatedly stated that we will not be lifting sanctions until there's a complete denuclearization of the, of, of, of the North Korean uh, military program. That's going to be hugely difficult. And the North Koreans will demand significant concessions to the United States in, in terms of our presence in South Korea. 
All right, coming up, we're going to stick with North Korea. And Norm's going to weigh in uh, on, in particular, uh, what specifically, why, why the North Koreans should trust that the U.S. isn't just preparing for a war in North Korea. Remember, folks, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can find us on Radio.com and on iHeartRadio. Norm Rule stays. Andrew Bishop stays. And I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent. I will stay. And you are listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Friday, folks. We are still negotiating with the Chinese on U.S.-China trade talks. It was the dominant story out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue today. The other big story, President Trump heads to Hanoi, and we will be broadcasting from Hanoi. Good morning, Vietnam. Next week, our uh, radio show, uh, and we'll be reporting on Bloomberg Television live from that uh, summit with North Korea dictator Kim Jong-un in special coverage uh, as he meets with President Trump. Uh, my guest with me for the hour, Norm Rule, former CIA intelligence officer who has managed virtually every program in the Middle East, retired in 2017, and Andrew Bishop, partner and global head of policy research at Signum Global Advisors, also formerly of the World Economic Forum and the Eurasia Group. Norm, we were talking about uh, U.S. no-co talks as they head next week, and uh I, I, I want to play for you what President Trump said just a couple of hours ago in the Oval and get your response. Here's President Trump on Kim Jong-un. That is not a consideration. That's, that's not, that is not one of the things on the table. What is on the table? Oh, you really want me to discuss that now? Everything is on the table. So everything's on the table, according to President Trump. In our previous segment, you were talking about how the president, uh, or you, you kind of said, that there might be a situation where there's some U.S. representatives maybe in North Korea. But why should Kim Jong-un, a 30-something dictator, why should he trust that the U.S. isn't just trying to slowly tighten its grip around North Korea? Well, in, in many ways, the concessions he would seek from the United States are, are easy to uh, identify and easy to measure. He would want a cessation of sanctions, a normalization of North Korea's political stature in the world, an ease of travel uh, restrictions on his country. He would want a reduction of American troops in, this, in South Korea, a reduction of the American military presence in the Pacific, and an end to South Korean-American exercises. You can measure all of these things. The hard thing for the United States is the North Koreans have repeatedly cheated 
on the concessions that they have offered. When they Sounds like Iran. When, well, I should say the IAEA has just come out today with another report saying the Iranians have executed their, JC, their nuclear deal obligations once more, but that's a different that's a different story. But for North Korea, they have cheated twice on the Yongbyon uh, nuclear facility, which is a very large complex, about 3.4 square miles, with dozens of buildings. They promised to dismantle things. They did dismantle some structures, and then they quickly reconstituted these structures after they had achieved uh, concessions. That's a great point, Norm. This is Andrew. Actually, very briefly, what you really want to see in these talks is irreversible steps, right? So if you think about North Korea has, say, 30 to 60 nuclear weapons, if North Korea handed the U.S. 12 of those weapons, we would clap and think that's a huge achievement. But because it's not an irreversible move in the sense that they, they would still have, you know, 30 to, to 40, it really wouldn't do much. So what you want to see is them not just shutting down their facilities, but actually destroying them. And that's very unlikely next week. What do you think, Norm, uh, or how, do you, how would you grade Russia and China's involvement in working with the U.S. to get Kim Jong-un to, to give up the nukes? Mixed. I don't think the um, uh, Russians uh, or Chinese are in some ways enthusiastic about a, a settlement of this um, 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 uh, problem if it were to achieve an expansion of U.S. influence in the region. Uh, the Chinese and the Russians have each been responsible for evading sanctions, particularly on those exports of coal, iron, and other shipments from the North Koreans, which have enabled the regime to survive over the years. There's a tremendous or has been a tremendous flow of, of ships uh, in the Pacific near Vladivostok and uh, Khaborsk, uh, where the Russians have again cheated in, in violating sanctions. This said, right now the momentum is um, uh, moving in a good direction. I think Andrew hit an excellent point, irreversible, something everyone is looking for. The question becomes for the administration. What if they said, we're not looking for a, a final solution to this problem, we're looking for progress. And progress yeah. might be 12 nuclear weapons turned over, but in return, North Koreans would demand significant uh, concessions. And I think you would find many of the president's critics would say he's given too much for too little. So the last time I was over there in Singapore for the first summit between Kim Jong-un and President Trump, it was like this this monumental press conference. And before the President Trump press conference got started, they played this video that was like a futuristic, this could be North Korea if they cooperate with the U.S. and cooperate with the West. Uh, and, and it was fascinating to see sort of a glimpse into how the U.S. was making a pitch to North Korea, which is one of the most isolated, I would argue, the most, one of, if not the most isolated places on earth and just information inside of North Korea just so controlled to the point where it's heartbreaking uh, to see the conditions and lack of democratic values uh, that are that don't exist there. But you know we make light of Dennis Rodman and we make light of basketball being an, it being a, a way to I don't want to say groom but to but to influence perhaps a 30-something dictator who grew up in an international um, elite boarding school. How, referring to Kim Jong-un, Norm, how, how did something like basketball or, or how does the U.S. use sort of soft power to influence 
these high stake, and I know, I'm not trying to make light, but as a serious question, how do they influence these types of high stake negotiations uh, in situations like North Korea or even just even more broadly speaking? You've touched on a great point. I've always um, uh, suggested when people ask what's the isolation in North Korea like, they take a look at the electric light profile of North Korea. You can get this on Google, yeah. see where lights are in the world. North Korea is is black. There's nothing there in comparison to South Korea or, or, or Russia. In fact, next month, uh, the North Koreans have already announced that next month's food rations will be cut because they're experiencing yet another famine. But you you, 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 you hit on the issue with, with uh, Kim Jong-un. The President of the United States has consistently uh, um, chosen as his tactic of, of approaching this young leader and saying, just imagine who, who you could be. You could be a South Korea if only you adopt a different route. Now, this man is a different – he's grown up differently. He has a military, which is very strong. He has a different propaganda culture, uh, which he's got to, uh, to, 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 in, uh, to, to get over. But at the same time, the Trump administration's position has consistently been you can be wonderful things if you only you know, take yes for an answer. And I'm struck by just how – so domestically, you look at it through the domestic lens – Democrats have criticized the president for elevating Kim Jong Un on the on the global stage by 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 having a warm public uh, negotiations with him praiseworthy. I mean, saying that he's a friend and whatnot. Uh, but I, it, from what I'm gathering from you, Norm, is that this is part of a very interesting maneuvering of almost. I mean, I, I don't want to say President Trump is the Dennis Rodman of politics, but like that type of of style. And Dennis Rodman, having been over there, having met with Kim Jong Un, I mean, it's 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 in a weird, bizarre. Can't believe I'm saying this, but it, it almost feels orchestrated. So, so let's be clear: Kim Jong Un runs a a country which is a vast prison camp in yeah. many ways. He has killed, uh, probably, he's responsible for maybe the deaths of tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of his own people, to include Americans. And this this can't be covered up. That said, if you're going for a future relationship, he's the only North Korean dictator you've got. You know, you've got to deal with him and you've got to offer him a better and a different future. And this is the tactic the president has chosen. But it does expose the president to the uh, to the to the um, to, to opponents turning to him saying, look how you're treating a man who is indeed um, an evil dictator. I could talk with Norm Rule. Uh, virtually, as you know, for a very long time. But I know you have to run. You've been very generous with your time. Norm Rule, former CIA intelligence officer, managing numerous programs relating to Iran and the Middle East. Uh, uh, thank you very much for coming on. Andrew Bishop stays. He's partner and global head of policy research at Signum Global Advisors. Coming up, we stick with North Korea. I'm headed to Vietnam, folks, in Hanoi. Um, we're also going to touch on uh, Venezuela as well as all of the other developments that have occurred on a busy policy wonky international news day remember you can check us out on itunes download the sound on podcast on apple itunes you can also get us uh, at bloomberg.com or by downloading the bloomberg business app and on radio.com and iheart radio i'm kevin cirilli you're listening to bloomberg 99.1 you're listening to sound on with kevin cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Will I veto it? 100%. 100%. And I don't think it survives a veto. We have too many smart people that want border security, so I can't imagine it could survive a veto, but I will veto it, yes. That was President Trump saying that he will, in fact, veto any type of legislation should it make it to his desk. 
that would restrict him from declaring a national emergency along the U.S.-Mexico border. We're anticipating that a House vote on that measure will occur on Tuesday in the Democratic-controlled House, led, of course, by Speaker Nancy Pelosi. What's unclear now is whether or not the Republican-controlled Senate it will be able to clear the Senate. Senator Susan Collins, a Republican centrist from Maine, has already said that she would vote uh, to restrict the president's authority to declare a national emergency. Meanwhile, you've got all of those states, led, of course, by California, uh, suing the president, saying that he doesn't have the authority to do that, likely going to end up in the Ninth Circuit and then maybe even all the way up to the Supreme Court. Should the president take the legislative approach and veto this, it appears very much unlikely that there would be two-thirds of a majority for uh, it to be overruled or over overridden uh, in the in the Congress. Meanwhile, we're also closely monitoring uh, the situation with President Trump negotiating next week with North Korea leader Kim Jong-un. Headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak, folks. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo will participate in the Hanoi summit and then travel to the Philippines. Uh, he will be with President Trump next week negotiating with Kim Jong-un. Andrew Bishop is partner and global head of policy research at Signum Global Advisors, started by Charles Meyer, a form previously of Evercore. Andrew, you've also worked uh, with Ian Bremmer at the Eurasia Group and at the World Economic Forum. You lived in, like, France, right? You grew up in France? I grew up in France, was born in Belgium, and uh, moved to the U.S. Uh, from Switzerland. My dad was American, though, so I'm I'm a U.S. Citizen. I, like, can't even keep up with anything you just said. How's Macron doing? Macron was in trouble, and he seems to be doing much better now. I think the big question is whether he can restart his reform program without getting in trouble again from the population. Okay, what has, of all the countries you just rattled off, which is the best food-eating country? That has to be Lebanon, by far. My okay. favorite country. Okay, okay. Um, what else is on your radar? Uh, because uh, Venezuela. Vice President, Mike, Vice President Mike Pence headed to Colombia on Monday uh, to deal with the whole Venezuela situation. Yeah, so there's there's a big deadline tomorrow, which is when uh, February 23rd, which is when the, the aid is supposed to come into Venezuela. And a lot of people expect that that could force the military to essentially back down and, uh, and, and switch sides. Now, the problem is if that doesn't happen, uh, there's not a lot of other options for the Venezuelan opposition in coming months to, to really gather more uh, momentum. And if that wasn't enough, you've got Vice President Mike Pence headed to Colombia on Monday uh, for Venezuela. You've got President Trump headed to Hanoi to meet with North Korea dictator Kim Jong-un. You've got Fed Chair Jay Powell testifying on Capitol Hill midweek next week in the Senate and in the House. Uh, oh, yeah, don't forget about uh, Chinese Vice Premier Lui Hua, who has extended his negotiation stay by two days. He'll be here all weekend. Next week is going to be crazy. But if anyone was looking to catch their breath, remember that it's now appearing, according to the Associated Press, that the finalized summary uh, of the Mueller report might likely not occur next week, as CNN had previously reported earlier this week. I'm headed to Hanoi, Andrew Bishop, and I want to thank you for coming on for the hour. Andrew Bishop is partner uh, of global policy research at Signum. Uh, we're going to be broadcasting from Hanoi, my first international official radio broadcast. Good morning, Vietnam. Check us out on Apple iTunes, radio.com, uh, as well as iHeartRadio and on the Bloomberg Business app. That's it for me. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. I'll see you in Vietnam.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.